So if you've got your Bible, you can open to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, we are talking about this idea of togetherness. Uh, we just launched a series last week for Back the Church Sunday called Together. Thank you, Billy. I appreciate that. Uh, and so we're drawing lessons from the book of Ephesians. Last week, we discovered that together we experience peace. Together we have peace. This week, as I already told you, we're going to be talking about how together we experience peace. Love, uh, and so, but before we get to that, I want to talk uh, a little bit about things that just seem to go together. Have you ever noticed that that there are certain things that if there's one, you expect the other? So I got a little word association for you on the screen. Uh, salt. When you have salt, you normally have. I thought somebody was going to be the super spiritual one and say light, but nobody decided to go that route. Uh, salt and pepper, uh, peanut butter, and. What? Bananas. I thought somebody might say peanut butter and pickles, uh, and I was interceding for those people this morning, so they came to Jesus. Peanut butter and bananas, that's a, that's a route you could go. Uh, Batman and? Robin. Somebody's name to say the Joker. Batman and Robin, right? Adam and? Eve. Adam and Eve. No, nobody's trying to be smart on that one. That was all connected. Only one option there. Hide and? Hide and seek, one of my favorites as a kid, one that my kids absolutely love and are terrible at. Uh, they, they think that anything is a hiding place, and they're sitting right there, and they think if you can't see their eyes, you can't see them. Uh, so we're working on that. Uh, pros and Pros and cons, that's right. So we, we see, we could do this all day, right, demonstrating that there are many things in life that if there is one, it seems there is Another. There are certain things that it seems that God has given us and they are just designed to go together. So the question today is, what do you think people think of when they hear the word church? Heard some uh-ohs. Uh, what do you think people think of when they hear the word church? For some of us, church is going to have a very positive association. Man, church is where I've experienced God. Church is where I've experienced love. Church is where uh, I've grown. Church is where I serve. Church is where I get to do this thing that I love. For some of us, church is going to have a very, very positive association. For many, church doesn't have such a positive association. Even for many of you, as I look around the room, I know there have been seasons in your life where church had a different association. Because I know your story. I know what you've been through. I know what you've experienced. And so church doesn't just give us one automatic association like peanut butter does, right? Church has various associations, some very good, some very bad. The reality is most of us probably have some combination of positive and negative experiences associated with that word, right? Some of us may think things like, uh, like it's boring, right? Some of us may think things like it's, it, man, it, you get to that point where you're starting to get burned out where you're serving too much and it's like, man, it's work, right? Church has become just work. There, there's different associations that can go with that word. So my question, my next question for you is this. What if we could get to the place 
where starting with our church family and then spreading out into our community, what if the word church was the automatically associated with the word love? What if we could build something so as soon as the word church came out of your mouth, somebody immediately thought, man, I I love that. Man, I feel love there. I experience love by people associated with that. The reality is, if you go into our culture, many times the association is very far from that. Some people associate church with judgment. Some people associate church with hate. Some people associate church with fear or abuse, right? People have some very, very toxic associations with church. Sometimes those were earned very honestly because the church has done some ungodly things. Sometimes those are earned dishonestly because there's an enemy out there who likes to sow discord, who likes to lie to people, and who likes to build things that that aren't actually there, right? And so there's all kinds of places and reasons why we get to these different places in association with church. But what if we could hit the spiritual reset button and start something different? What if we could get to a place where anytime somebody heard the word church, they immediately thought of the word love. That's a challenging thing for us to do. And we're going to shoot to begin building something, to move in that direction with our message today. Last week, we focused on how together we have peace. Together, we're looking at how together we experience love. If you weren't here with us last week for Back to Church Sunday, you missed out on the donut wall which I'm sure will make another appearance in, in a few months. Uh, but you also missed our, our preface on the book of Ephesians. You see, we're, we're working through the book of Ephesians in this four-week series. And the Apostle Paul, in writing this letter, he's writing to a group of people really not that unlike us. They were a diverse community of believers surrounded by people who believed a lot of different things, people who worshiped in a lot of different ways, people who lived in a lot of ungodly ways. They were living in an ungodly culture, surrounded by sin, and Paul's writing to them, exhorting them, encouraging them, challenging them to be together. So he writes his book kind of in two parts. The first three chapters, the first half of his letter is is the story of God. It's what we call the gospel. This is what Jesus has done, and this is why this matters. This is how this impacts your life and my life. The second half of the book is the application thereof. Because of what Jesus has done, how does it change the way that I live? How does it define who we are? Well, in Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to discover some great encouragement from Paul on the idea of love. He's encouraging them to be together. And so like the believers in Ephesus 2,000 years ago, we as a church have, have committed to journeying together. We're going somewhere. As we study and explore these ideas that the Apostle Paul presents, it's because we want to understand and renew our commitment as a church to be a welcoming community of love and grace and peace and joy and impact. One of my favorite things that I've ever heard as a pastor, and I hear this a fairly good bit, is, man, your church is so welcoming. 
Uh, it's one of my favorite things. In fact, a, a lot of times, thank you, Kristen, uh, people will tell me things like that and, and they can't help it but contrast. It's like, hey, we've been looking for churches and I was over here and this happened. Nobody spoke to me. I was over here and this happened. And, and man, one of the things that really attracted us to City Church was your church is so welcoming and I treasure those things and I'm so grateful for them. And I know that starts with, with Bobby Costin and our First Impressions team. Let's give it up for those guys. But the danger for us is we can hear those things and, and we start to get comfortable in it, right? Oh, we've got a welcoming church, so I don't have to welcome somebody, right? Oh, we've got a friendly church. We've got a loving church, so that's going to be taken care of. And if we're not careful, we can become complacent. We can become lukewarm. We can become unwelcoming without even realizing it. And we can think oh, we're a welcoming church, and people can walk through these doors and not feel welcomed. So we have to constantly come back to that foundation, constantly be rebuilding that, because the reality is the more that we grow, the more that we add new people, it's not the default to be welcoming, right? If it was the default, they wouldn't come here and tell us, oh, we went to this church and it didn't happen, right? They would be happening everywhere. This isn't normal. Why? Because it's not comfortable. Right? This, this is the hospitality state. This is Mississippi. If anybody should be welcoming, it should A, be the church of Jesus Christ, and it should too be people from the hospitality state, right? But that doesn't mean it just happens. It happens because we choose again and again, week after week, to get out of our comfort zone, to get beyond these seven people that I know that I like to greet, to get beyond grabbing my coffee and grabbing a seat and hopping on Facebook and disconnecting and realizing, hey, there's people all around, right? And, and it's not just welcoming as far as saying, hey, what's up? Good to see you here. Or even going a step further and introducing yourself or even going a step further and swapping phone numbers. There, there's a depth of welcoming that I believe God's calling us to that we haven't gotten to yet. Uh, and that's okay. That's not a, man, we're, we're missing it. It's a, man, God's got something even greater he wants us to get to. Amen? So we've got a commitment to get to that place. We're on a journey. The church, by its very nature, is a place where we live and learn and worship and grow and make an impact on the world, ultimately around this one thing, being together. We do these things together. The 662, our youth ministry, went out yesterday to, to firehouses all over Olive Branch to provide gifts that they put together, together, things that they came in and they prepared and they got ready under, under Pastor Donovan's leadership to go out and be a blessing and they did it together. It wasn't like one student said, hey, I'll go drop these by the firehouse on my way home and I'll give them to them and that's it, right? It, it wasn't just a matter of the gift. It was a matter of the team. It was a matter of the together. We want to go together. We want to thank you for what you've done for our city together. We want to pray for you together. There's something that happens when it's not just one crazy person on their own, but it's a group of crazy people together, right? Then when you, when you get some crazy people together, you can do something incredible, and it makes a great mark. So this is part of the beauty of the book of Ephesians that we see again and again Paul calls them to togetherness. And so in Ephesians chapter 3, 16 through 19, we find our primary text for today. And he says this, he's praying for them, which by the way, 
I think one of the most underrated aspects of togetherness is praying for each other. See, the beauty of the church is that we can impact one another when we're not even in the same room. Right? That, that I can bless you and you can bless me when we're not sitting around each other, when we're not in a vehicle together, when we're not even doing the same thing at the same time because we've been given the power of prayer. We've been given the ability to go before God, not just for ourselves, not just for our own needs, but to go before God for one another. To take somebody's name before the throne of God is one of the most beautiful and impactful things that we could ever do. And so we have this ability. Now, are we all exercising that? Are we all walking in that? Probably not. So what does that mean? That means there's another place where we see, hey, there's another area that God's calling us to, that, that we can do this together. Right, So Paul is praying for the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 3, 16 through 19. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he being Jesus, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that we are strengthened by the Holy Spirit inside. The, the goal of, of spirituality, the goal of Christianity is not just to make us the, these physically strong individuals. Right, It's to give us an inner strength. To give us this ability to go through life in a way that, that is different. So he says that you would be strengthened in your inner being by the Holy Spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That, that he would actually live in us by faith. He says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. What is Paul's heart for the Ephesians? And by extension, I believe the Holy Spirit's heart for us. That we'd be rooted and established in love. So, so in other words, love is not just a characteristic that, that we share. It's not just a part of who we are, but it's, it's our root system. It's what holds us together. It's what keeps us grounded where God has called us to be, that, that, that it's that foundation. He says that you being rooted and established in love may have power. Everybody say power. power. Everybody wants power, right? We don't all want love, but we all want power. So he says that from the root system of love, we will then have power together. Everybody say together. together. That we would have power, not apart, but together. God's goal for us is that we'd have some power. Some supernatural power to demolish strongholds. He, he, he says to Peter, he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of God. That's power, right? Because we know the enemy has some power. That the, the enemy can do some things. But he says the gates of hell shall not prevail. Why? Because we're together. He says that we may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. To grasp, to get a hold of in our minds how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. First thing I want you to write down on this idea of, of experiencing love is, is the title of the message, right? We experience God's love together. Where, where does it come from? He says that you would experience this power, this love together with all God's holy people. What an incredible image Paul creates for us here. In verse 18, he, he goes really in depth on this idea. He says, I pray that you would have power together with all the Lord's holy people. It's power to do what? Power to understand. 
how high and how wide and how long and how deep is the love of God. Can I just give you a spoiler alert? None of us in this room have grasped how high, how wide, how long, how deep is his love. None of us have even scratched the surface of understanding that. And, and Paul prays, the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to pray that, that we would grasp it. Now, I don't know that any of us will ever really fully grasp it on this earth. But I think the point of the prayer is that we'd be constantly increasing our understanding of his love. Constantly getting a bigger picture of how powerful his love is. So since we're playing word association today, let's do a little bit more here. So when we say wider than something, what are we saying? Wider than? Wider than a mile. Might say wider than the ocean. Uh, wider than the universe, right? The solar system. Doesn't matter what you put there. Uh, how about this? Uh, longer than. Longer than PT's sermon, no. Longer than time, longer than history, right? Longer than whatever, uh, longer than the line at the DMV, right? Longer, it's, it's long. Longer than whatever you can fathom, right? So higher than, higher than what? Higher than the sky, right? I was going to say higher than the highest mountain, but the sky beats that, right? So you, you can't top that. Higher than the sky, deeper than what? Deeper than the ocean, the first place that my mind goes as well, right? Deeper than the lowest depths, higher than the highest heights, longer than the longest length. That's the love of God that none of us can grasp. But he's asking us, he's inviting us to begin getting a greater understanding of what that love is. You see, the thing about love is it's relational, Love is meant to be shared. Love is meant to be experienced together. It's together that our ability to grasp God's love deepens. And together is a reflection of God's relationship with us. God dwells with his people. That's the wonder of Christmas. I know it's 98 degrees, right? Nobody's thinking about Christmas, but Christmas is coming. And I love Christmas because Christmas reminds us that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. That, that, that man, this is what it's about, that we, he wanted to be together with us. As we gather, we experience his love in tangible ways. We find if it's done right, if church is healthy, if church is, is honoring God, we find support, we find belonging, we find acceptance, we find encouragement, we find strength, we find challenge, we find conviction in others. We see love in other people's lives when it might be cloudy. In our own. Coming to church isn't about coming to a building or even coming to a group. Coming to church is about coming together into something that we share, the shared expression and transformation of God's work in us. Um, if all we do is show up here once, maybe twice a week, if you get in a city group that meets here, uh, we walk in, we sing some songs, we smile, we nod, uh, we shake a few hands, maybe even get a few hugs, but then we walk back out into life, and then nothing is different than we've missed the point. We might as well just go join the country club or, or get on the PTA or something, right? Like, we can do those things in other scenarios, the secret sauce of the church the reason why Jesus died for the church is that there's something supernaturally transformative when God's people come together and express his love to one another 
end to end. It can be absolutely life-changing or it can be absolutely a waste of time. It's up to us to decide what it's going to be. We're the ones who are going to define that because I guarantee you this, God wants it to be powerful. God's will is for this thing to be transformative. So we're the ones who are going to decide if it is, if we'll submit to his will, if we will cooperate with his spirit, or if we're going to do our own thing and stay disconnected. Um, we're tapping into the very nature of God. First John chapter 4 puts it this way. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows love. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love, right? Famous scripture, not something you've never heard before. This is foundational, basic, church 101 kind of stuff. But we can't move past it until we've actually allowed it to really impact us, right? God is love. He doesn't just show love. He doesn't just have love. He doesn't just express love. He is love. So the second thing to write down is that we experience love when we experience God, right? You'll never experience greater love than when you experience God because he is love. And so because it's his love, because it's his nature, because it's his character, we experience love when we experience him. All of history from creation to revelation, from the beginning to the end, was born from and is being shaped by the love of God. Everything he's ever done is an act of love. Everything he ever will do is an act of love. It drove the creation of the world. It drove God's creation of humanity, his relationship with man. It's fueled everything all the way up to the point of sending his son to come and die for us to Give his life for us so we could be reunited to him. All of this is an expression of God's love. Matthew 18, 20 puts it this way. It says, when two or more are gathered together in his name, he is with us. Right? What happens? When we gather, God's presence shows up. And when God's presence shows up, we can't help but experience God's love. Because it's who he is. Right? So that's why gathering is so Important. Jesus may have said it best in John 13, 35. He said this. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you make sure that you never get drunk. Right? By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you vote the right way in the upcoming election. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you make sure that you don't have sex until you get married. It doesn't say any of those things, right? I'm not saying those things don't matter. Drunkenness is sin. Sex outside of marriage is sin. The way that we vote is important. It's a responsibility to, to pray that through and to do it right. But the thing that's going to tell the world that we belong to Jesus is not our political party, and it's not even our separation from sin, though that is massively important. The thing that says those people are different is our love. That's the thing that Jesus, the one who started this whole thing, the one that we're following, the one we're imitating, the one who died for us, he said, I want everybody to know your mind by the radical, crazy, massively different way that you express love. This is so core to who we are as the people of God. You see, love marks the people of God. 
It marks us. It separates us. It sets us apart. We're not defined by our buildings or our hard work or our success or our happiness or even our acts of service, although all those things can be great. We're defined by our love. It might seem obvious, but it's important to realize that love can't be experienced alone. Love is something that by definition is given and shared in the confines, the context of relationship. Jesus knew this, and in John 17, 20 through 21, he prayed that his followers would experience the same kind of oneness that he and the Father had. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. He's praying for us. 2,000 years ago, he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for those who are going to believe the disciples' message, that as the church grows and expands, he says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be, that all of them may be, that all of them may be one. He's calling us to be one, Father, just as you are in me. And I am in you. So the, the Trinity, the relationship, and he doesn't refer to the Holy Spirit in this specific verse, but in the context of this conversation, if you read John 14 through 18 in this conversation he has with his disciples, he talks a whole lot about the Holy Spirit, talks a whole lot about the Father, talks a whole lot about the Son. The, the, the Trinity is the example for us of the togetherness and the love for one another that God wants us to have. He exists in perfect love and harmony with himself with the three persons of God, and now he wants us to experience that and share that with one another. So number three thing to write down today is that love binds us together as one. Love binds us together as one. If we can get this thing down, if we can walk in this as God designed, if we can really allow God's love to transform us the way he wants it to transform us, it's going to bind us Together, it's a kind of unity that's difficult for us to grasp if we've never experienced it. Even in our closest relationships, oneness is elusive. We live in a world of connection, but as I'm sure you know, the, the more technology we get access to, the more disconnected we get from one another. Research shows that this is the loneliest generation in human history. This is the most disconnected generation in human history. We live in a, in a life, in a world that has access to each other all the time, and yet nobody connects. And God has designed something different. God has planned something different for his people. He's ordained for us to experience true connection, to truly know and be known. It's hard sometimes for us to even fathom what he has in mind because it's so unique. So this brings us back to the question that I posed early on in the message today. What if the word association for church could be changed? What if we could make the association of church actually be the word love? What is the formula for that? Well, I don't have all the answers, and I don't think this is something that we're going to preach one message on and go out and live this out for a week, and all of a sudden we've got it, right? This is a massive undertaking. This is something that will take a lifetime to be able to fully live out. But, but I want to give us three things that I think will point us in the right direction. Three steps we can begin to take now that, that will allow love to begin to be the definition of church for us. Because if it can't be the definition of church for the people in this room, it can never be the definition of church for the people out of the room, right? 
So we've got to get to a place where the thing that we associate with church is love. So how do we do that? Well, I want to give you three steps, three things that we can do to, to move in that direction. The first one is this, is connection. All these are going to start with the letter C. Uh, going, going to Baptist today, right? Uh, so connection. Connection. Told you I was going to talk a little bit more about this sheet. You can go ahead and grab it, your city groups menu. Um, city groups is the best way to connect at City Church. It is the thing that, that we have intentionally designed to fuel connection. There's other ways you can connect. We got a fall festival coming up at the end of October. We're going to start talking about that next week. We're doing a chili cook-off. We're going to do a pie bake-off this year. Uh, if any of you, you bakers out there. So we got that coming. We got all kinds of cool stuff, right? Like we do events. We do fun things. Like hopefully you can use those things to connect. But the nitty-gritty real relationships are going to flow out of this thing right here. You're either going to get in a city group and get to know people on a different level, or you're going to stay a Sunday morning city church person. And man, we're grateful for our Sunday morning people. We're glad that you're here. But I truly believe God's got a better plan for you than just this. I truly believe that this thing we do on Sunday mornings isn't enough. It is good, and it is important, but it is not enough. Relationship has to happen, and relationship comes through one of these things right here. So, so I want to talk about all six of these groups very quickly. We presented them last week. We brought the group leaders up here to tell you about them, but, but this is so central to who we are and where we're going. We're going to take a couple minutes and go through this. Uh, this goes basically chronologically through the week. So we're just going to follow the order that they are on the sheet. Tonight, Sunday nights, we have a group meeting at Marilyn Wilkinson's house. Marilyn, will you raise your hand for everybody? Everybody turn around and say, hi, Marilyn. She did not know I was putting her on the spot. You're awesome, Miss Marilyn. Thank you. Uh, her house is in Olive Branch over by Olive Branch Kroger. Uh, so not far, just, just a couple stops up uh, Highway 78 from here. Um, and she's going to be hosting that. It's at 6 o'clock. Mark and Risa Mincy are, are going to be leading a group on a book by Francis Chan called Crazy Love. What are we talking about today? Some crazy love. Right? Love, love that is different. Love that is distinctive. If this is connecting with you, this is the group you need to be in. Man, because it's going to go far more in depth on the idea of, of experiencing God's radical love and then sharing that radical love with the world. Uh, it's a video series. You don't have to have the book. You don't have to have anything. You can show up there tonight, uh, and man, you're going to be encouraged as you go. So that's tonight. Tuesday morning, 6 a.m., we have what we call Man Up. Our men's group, uh, this is our, our longest running group. The rest of these groups have all just kind of come in for this semester. Uh, and, man, this one is one that has just stuck. We just can't shake it. We can't get rid of it. We just keep coming back to it. So we're studying what we call authentic manhood. Uh, it's a video series. This semester, the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at a man and his work. Uh, work is not all that there is to being a man, but it is part of it. Uh, and, and so we are going to dive into what has God ordained for us in our work. Uh, this is for men of all ages. Uh, I'm leading this group. This is actually going to be my last semester leading the group. Mark Cheney is going to be taking over the group next semester. Um, I still plan on being a part of it, but we're raising him up and positioning him for that. Uh, but man, it's, a, it's an awesome awesome time. I highly encourage you to come check it out. I know six might be early for some, and I know it's too late for some, because uh, some people work at really ungodly hours. Uh, but uh, 
If that's you, uh, we will get you a book. The videos are available on what we call Right Now Media. It's a subscription that the church has that anybody can be a part of. You can pick up a sheet at any of our connection centers. Even if you don't need this, get the Right Now access because uh, it's going to encourage you. The Crazy Love videos are there as well. If you miss a week of Crazy Love, um, you, can, you can go back and access the video there. Um, kids Christmas Musical, Thursday nights. Carolyn Shapley is leading a group for kids ages 5 through 5th grade. They're putting together a Christmas musical. So don't just have your kid here if they want to be part of the group. They have them here if they want to come and, and be part of the Christmas musical. Uh, but they're going to be practicing and putting part of those parts together and rehearsing. Uh, it's an awesome experience. We did it last year. It was the first time we've ever done one. And the kids killed it. I was shocked at how awesome they were. Uh, they did it in both services. In both services, they knocked it out of the park. So that'll be coming up, uh, I think, the third Sunday in December, somewhere in there. We'll give you much more information about that on down the road. Um, but that's Thursdays right here at 6.30. So in conjunction with that, we've got two other groups that'll be here on Thursdays at 6.30, so you'll have that for childcare. Instead of setting up separate childcare on another night, and then you got to bring your kids here, uh, it'll kind of all flow cohesively uh, if you do one of the Thursday groups. So we have what's called Defined. It's a study by a woman named Priscilla Shire, who is amazing, uh, that Amy Bearden is going to be leading uh, right here in the auditorium. So they're going to be looking at Defined starting this Thursday night. It's all about our identity in Christ, uh, who, who God's created us to be. This is for women of all ages, young and old, uh, can be a part of this on Thursdays at 6.30. Then downstairs in our youth ministry auditorium, I'm going to be leading a study uh, called The Grave Robber. This, all of these are video studies, uh, which we'll have some books to, to coincide with, which we'll get for you. But The Grave Robber is a, a study by a pastor named Mark Batterson in Washington, D.C., who, uh, one of my favorite authors, uh, and, and he's looking at the seven miracles in the book of John, the seven signs in the book of John, and what they teach us about who Jesus is uh, and what he wants us to do. I'm really fired up for this group. Would love to have you come and join us. Uh, and then lastly, on Friday nights, every other Friday, so this one does not start this Friday. It starts next Friday. Uh, we've got a group led by Robert Smith and Joshua Slay. Uh, yeah, Slay. Robert, stand up for me. Uh, Robert wasn't here last Sunday to introduce it, but this is Robert. He's helping lead this group. Give it up for Robert. Hey, Robert. Robert works nights, and so he's been up for like 16 hours straight, but he's here worshiping Jesus with us today. Awesome. Yes. It is this Friday. I'm sorry. I missed. My dates are off. I apologize. It is this Friday. Thank you for the correction. This Friday, and then it's going to be every other week. Uh, from there, this is geared towards young adults. Uh, anybody's welcome, but they're really shooting for that, that young adult category. So if you're young or you think you're young, uh, come and join them for bowling. Um, refresh me, how much money should they bring? Uh, $8.75. $8.75 will cover your night. And if you don't have that, I know that they've already said, hey, they want to help take, take care of that. So be there. Um, it's Strike Zone Bowling uh, just off of Get Well in South Haven. Uh, and you guys are going to be meeting at 6.30 on Friday for that. So connection. If, if we can't connect, we're never going to be defined by love. If we can't get into each other's world, if we can't build relationships, actually get to know some people's names, actually have some people that we're doing life with, we're never going to get to this place. So the first step is connection. The second step is comfort. Um, the reality is every one of us in this room is going to, if you haven't already, Hit a point where life gets tough. Where you get a, a phone call. There's somebody that you care about is no longer here. 
You get a phone call from the doctor, and there's no promise that you are going to be here for very long. Uh, you, you have a conversation at work and find out that you're no longer employed. You're not sure how you're going to meet the needs of your family, right? Like the reality is all of us have moments where life gets difficult, moments where, where we don't feel like we have enough to sustain. And God is amazing. His promise is that he shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. But I believe one of the ways he's ordained for that to happen is through his church. And to the other people sitting in this room, right? Like if all we have is that relationship with God and we're relying on him to meet all that stuff, I think we've short-circuited his plan because his word makes it very clear that a big part of his plan is his people, right? And so how is he going to meet those needs when that phone call comes, when that conversation happens, when that sickness hits? He's going to meet our needs many times through somebody else, but the opportunity for somebody to meet the need is much greater when we're actually in connection. I've used this example before, but it's such a powerful one. I think I have no choice but to use it again. There were, a couple years ago, there was uh, a family where the, the wife uh, lost her mom. Mom was in her 50s, 56, I want to say, and uh, had some health issues, took a turn for the worse very quickly, died kind of unexpectedly, kind of suddenly. And this girl was devastated. Mom was her world. Uh, and she was in a small group. And they invited me to do the funeral. And so I, I did the funeral and obviously stepped in to comfort the family and prayed with the family and all the things that, as a pastor, that's part of my job description, right? But the thing that amazed me about this situation that was unique, because I've, unfortunately, I've done more of the funerals than that, um, is this one was amazing. They were in a city group with... 18 other adults, and all 18 of those adults were at the funeral. Many of those would, had been at the hospital praying with the family. Like, I was so overwhelmed by this one group rallying around this one need, stepping in and recognizing, look, we've got somebody who's part of our family, our city group family, and they're hurting. And so when one member hurts, everybody hurts with them. Right, that, that, that we're called to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. And they rallied around this family in a, in, in a massively incredible way. And I'm like trying to keep up as the pastor, right? And usually it's the other, I'm trying to like help get some other people encouraged to come alongside. But, but they were racing ahead of me, doing so many great things to step in and provide meals and prayer and comfort and encouragement and just being with this family at this difficult time. And I thought, that's it. That's the vision. That's, that's what it's supposed to be. My heart is that every person in this room would have that kind of a family, that kind of a support that when life hits, because life is going to hit, right? The reality is, man, just being a Christian does not spare us from suffering. Just coming to Jesus doesn't mean there's never going to be hard times. That when those hard times hit, that there's a built-in automatic team that's going to rally around you. That's the goal. That's where we want to be. And so, man, connectivity fuels comfort. You see, it's hard for us to step in and meet the needs of somebody that we don't know. Why, why was it their city group who was there? Was it because it was required of them as a city group? No. 
It was because the city group, number one, knew the people involved, not just knew the names, not just had seen them at church, but knew the people involved, and they cared about the people involved. You see, step one, connection fuels step two, comfort, because connection causes us to care, right? There's, there's suffering all around us. We all know there's a million people who are in bad situation, but it's when it's somebody that we know and somebody that we care about that's when we can step in and respond on a different level. Lastly, number third, number third. Wow. Gonna edit that out of the podcast. Hallelujah. All right. Number three is collaboration. Collaboration. You see, connection brings us to a place where, where we can share love. Comfort gives us an opportunity to, to express love. Collaboration is the next level of bringing us to that place where church is associated with love. Collaboration is working together towards a common purpose. It's working together towards something that, that God has called us to. It's meeting one another's needs, right? It's, it's recognizing, hey, here's a, an opportunity over here. Let's step in and collaborate. I remember uh, I was in a small group one time, a city group here, and we had uh, a family in the church that was single mom situation. She was one income and trying to meet the needs of her kids by herself. And she lived in a, in a trailer park uh, and actually had holes in the floor. There was outside air getting into the trailer. And so Cody Rogers was part of that group and a few others. And uh, we, we had a Saturday, we went over there and we rebuilt the floor. And by we, I mean other people who are skilled. Uh, I, I got under the trailer uh, with a stapler and some insulation, and my job was to staple insulation under the trailer. Uh, and while we were down there, uh, one of the other people who was helping rebuild the floor, floor actually fell through the floor and almost took Cody's head off. Uh, so we had a, a near-death experience. Uh, but it's the power of collaboration, right? Like one of us, it would have taken us many, many days to step in there and make any real impact. But we took eight or 12 of us over there, and, and in a span of about three or four hours, we left that place so much better than we found it. We left that family in so much of a better place with the dignity that they didn't have before. Why? Because we're great people? No, because we serve a great God. And there's power in working together and collaborating. You see, relationship comes when we collaborate, one of the, my, my things I used to say as a youth pastor, we used to go on mission trips every summer, and uh, we, we would always do a training before we went on the trip, and I would always tell the students, right, like we had these no dating rules and no PDA rules and these kind of things, and I would warn them ahead of time, look, you are going to fall in love on this trip. It just happens. It's natural. It's normal. You're going to think you're falling in love on this trip because those people will never look as good as they do in a sweaty missions t-shirt. Why? <laughs> Because there's something in us that leaps when we see other people using their gifts to make God's kingdom better. When we see other people using their gifts to impact the lives of other people, we are attracted to that, right? And we can misassociate that attraction. And that's what I was trying to warn the students. But the reality is when we collaborate, our love for each other increases. Right? I see gifts in you that I didn't know you had. You see abilities in me that you didn't know were there. We discover each other's character and integrity, and it makes us care more for one another. That's why it's so important for us to be on a team where we're serving. Man, right? Like It's not the only way for us to collaborate, but get involved in Kids City and get partnered up with somebody and teaching and pouring into those kids' lives. 
And it's going to increase your love, man. Get involved in first impressions and help welcome people and show love. And you're going to see, man, we got some awesome people that are doing this thing. Get involved in the worship team and the media team and the 662, like in any of our serving opportunities. And you're going to see the power of collaboration. That working together increases the love in me and the love coming out of me. It's the amazing thing that God has ordained. Together, we experience love. I'll close with this, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. The Apostle Paul says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. What if the first thing you think of when you heard the word church is love? We probably got a long way to go to get there, but I believe we can move in that direction. We got to connect. We got to find a city group. We got to comfort. We got to step in when we see needs. And we got to collaborate. We got to work together and serve together. And as we do those three things, love is going to rise up in the house of God and pour out into the community he's called us to reach. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for your church. I thank you for the love that I've experienced from so many others in this room. God, the way that they've been there for me through through so many situations in life, God, you've, you've done so much and impacted my life in so many ways. God, I thank you that I do associate church with love, that I've had such an incredible experience as part of this church family. God, but I know many do not, Lord. I know many in our community don't have that same association. And so, God, we pray that you would do what only you could do, God, that you would begin to, to, to pierce the lies that the enemy has told about church. God, that, that you would enlighten people and show them that some of those things are not true, God, but I know many of the things they've experienced are true. So God, we ask that you would do what only you would do, can do and, and begin to heal those hurts. God, begin to bind up broken hearts. God, that, that people would begin to, to have a new attitude, a new ability to look at church through a, through a new lens. But God, I pray especially for us that love would define us, that love would define our interactions with one another and then it would spill out into our workplaces. It would spill out into our schools. God, it would spill out into our neighborhoods. It would spill out into whatever situations and, and arenas you've placed us in. God, the church, your church, city church, would be defined and associated with nothing more than love. That it would truly be who we are. God, I pray that you help us to connect through city groups. God, you help us to, to comfort when, when life gets difficult. God, you help us to collaborate and work together to do something incredible for you. Lord, help us to take these steps to increase love. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name.